Good morning. Are you all glad you're up this early? Some of you are glad you're not up, you didn't get up as early as, as the rest of us, but uh, I don't know about you, I am thankful that we are here today. I'm thankful that we have reason to be here today. And, uh, you know, it's not just, uh, we, we come here every Sunday and we have reason to be here every Sunday. Don't get me wrong. Uh, uh, today we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday, the, the day that Christ rose from the grave. But every time we get together, guess what we're celebrating? The same thing. Because if we, if we did not, if we did not uh, have the resurrection, if there was no resurrection, uh, we would have no reason uh, to be here. Uh, the, in fact, uh, turn your Bibles to first, not First Peter, First Corinthians chapter fifteen. First Corinthians chapter fifteen. We're going to be uh, kind of jumping around a little bit this morning, uh, but. Uh, but it's all scripture, and all scripture is given by inspiration of God, amen? And it's all good. I appreciated the, the passage we read there in, in, uh, in Peter. Uh, I chose it as our, as our uh, scripture, uh, scripture reading, honestly, just before I came up here, or came up to read it. But um, I'd been praying about it. I was going to just read our text like I normally do. But I love the fact that we have hope. In hope in our salvation and hope in our future through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we would have no hope. Uh, we live in a day uh, and the, where that people have hope in a lot of things. I want to I want to clear something up before we go any farther. Um, hope according to the Word of God and hope according to the world are two different things. We all use the word hope a lot. I hope this happens, or I hope this happens. How many of you have hoped for the cable guy to show up at your house in between the hours of 8 and noon, like he said he would? Or or you hope that that package coming from Amazon would show up on time, right? There's there's a promise of those things, but no real expectation that they'll happen. You you have to be there to to receive those things, but there's there's no real promise that that's when they're going to try to be there, but guess what? Most often that's not the case. When the Bible uses the word hope, it's not talking about uh, just something that you're looking forward to maybe happening. The word hope in the Bible means that you're looking forward to the promise of God, and it is something that will happen. It's a, a, a full expectation, not a wondering if it might, and I, I, I'll be there just in case, but maybe, but I, I don't really trust that it's going to happen. Hope in, the, in Christ and hope in the Word of God are, two, are, are, are completely different from what people think of as hope today. It's, it's hope in something that there is a guarantee. It will happen. So when we say we have hope in Christ, it's not a, well, I, I got my golden ticket just in case, right? I, I, I packed my parachute just in case the plane goes down and I might need it. Now, we know we're going to need it. We know that we do need it, but we also have the promise that Christ is there for us. And we won't get in, it's not the text of our message, so I do, did want to clarify that. First Corinthians chapter 15 Paul here, it's a, this entire chapter is about the resurrection and the inheritance that's coming from the, from the resurrection. Uh, verses 4 through, uh, four, through, uh, five, 4 through 9 tell us about uh, the, the, the fact, the, the, the eyewitness evidence of the resurrection. There was a problem in that day. There was a, 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 a doubt in uh, the resurrection, a uh, doubt that somebody could be raised from the dead. 
And Paul's going through here and dealing with this, this issue. There were those who were teaching that, that it did not happen or could not happen. And there are people today that are saying there's no way that that happened. Uh, and in fact, I've heard somebody say it would be a supernatural, supernatural act if that happened. Well, duh. Right? Uh, yes, it's a supernatural act. We are acknowledging the fact. If it wasn't, it would happen all the time. It would, uh, as a paramedic, uh, I, I may have postponed some people's deaths. I may have gotten a pulse back, but guess what? I never raised anybody from the dead. And, and everybody that we may have brought back is either already dead or they're going to die. Against, die. That's, that's, the, that, that's the way that that works. But Jesus, yes, he died. But he rose again, and because of that, we have hope. Let's look at, let's look at the verses, uh, the, we'll start in verse, uh, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it, it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, there is no, then is Christ, not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In this if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. What Paul is saying here is there's a domino effect. If there is no resurrection from the dead, there is a problem in our Christian life. It's all in vain. It's all a fable. It's all fake. And we acknowledge this. If, if Christ did not raise from the dead, uh, I, 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 then, then there's a problem. Uh, the first thing I want us to see today is the priority of his resurrection. It's absolutely imperative that we believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Not just that he died on the cross. There are those out there that will say, yes, they acknowledge that Jesus existed and that he, that he taught a lot of good things and that he died on the cross. There is historical evidence that, uh, uh, written by Josephus and, and, and other, other writers back in that time that they, they mentioned Christ, they mentioned the, the crucifixion, that he died on the cross. Uh, there, there's a lot of evidence that, that, that prove that. And they'll, they'll, they'll acknowledge that fact. There are even people that won't acknowledge that fact, but the, even, the, even the best historians, the, even atheist historians, will acknowledge that there was a man named Jesus and that he did have a following and that he did die uh, as a martyr. And those things are important. They're not downplaying the death of, of Christ. It's through the death of Christ that we see the love of God for all mankind. Because the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It, it is absolutely necessary that we have a Redeemer, that we have one who, who willingly sacrifices life for our sins, because you and I are sinners, the Bible tells us. Not, I'm not just pointing the finger at you. I'm saying the entire world is full of sinners. If, you've, if anybody was born in this world, they were born as a sinner. And because of our sin, we, we fall short of the glory of God and we will be judged by our sin. All of us. And you can't look at somebody else and say, well, my sin isn't as bad as their sin and I can work my way into heaven or I can earn it. It isn't by our works. It isn't by what we do. It's all through the, the atoning death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a reason why he said, it is finished. He was talking about the work of redemption. You cannot be good enough to earn your way into heaven. You cannot be good enough to outweigh your sinfulness. 
That's not how it works. A debt had to be paid, and that debt was, was according to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. We needed the death of Jesus Christ on that cross. It's absolutely imperative for us to have fellowship with God and to have our sins forgiven. But if he died and didn't raise from the dead, we have no hope. Because the death of Christ on the cross proves and strengthens a few things. Number one, if Christ had not risen, his divinity is, his divinity is disproved. If he died and died as a martyr and was buried and, and he stayed in that tomb, guess what? He was just a man. And if he was just a man, that tells me one of two things. That he was either crazy or a liar. They say, well, you wouldn't say that about Jesus. Let's just be honest. He claimed to be the son of God, right? He claimed that he was the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. He claimed to be the son of God. God himself, in the flesh, the Bible tells us. If he did not raise from the dead, do you know what that tells me? He was nuts. Or he was trying to deceive people on purpose. It's the beginning of the downfall of the dominoes of the Christian faith. If there is no resurrection, there, there, then he was not God. But you know what, you know what his resurrection proves? He was God. Because there's nobody else in the history of this world who has gotten up out of that grave that was once dead. For three days he lay in that grave. The Bible says in Psalms that the Lord God did not suffer him to see corruption. While he laid in that grave, his heartbeat had stopped. There was no breath in his lungs. There were no thoughts in his mind. He was not there in that physical body. But the Bible tells us that he got back up on that third day. And that he rose from the grave. Not because, not because somebody came in and did anything, not because he, he had fainted on the cross and wasn't really dead, but because he was dead and God gave him life. And that life gives us hope. It shows us that he was God and not some other man. Christianity, our faith is the only faith. There are other faiths out there. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of faiths out there, but our faith is the only one where, where, where our, our Savior, where our God, where, where the one who started it all died and rose again. There are some things that separate us, and Jesus is the, is the largest thing that separates us from every other religion. His divinity would have been disproved. His death would be dismissed. His death would be dismissed. Jesus Christ, if he, if he had died and stayed in that tomb and never raised from the grave, we wouldn't be saying his name anymore. How many other men came, came before him and said that they were the Messiah, that they were going to lead the people of Israel out of bondage, that they were going to, there were many men that rose up, and they would have people follow him. In the book of Acts, Paul talks about some of those people. But guess what happened? They died. They were martyrs for their cause, but guess what happens when, when, when the head of a cause dies? It peters out. Because it was all about that man. But listen, our, uh, the, reason, the, 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 reason, the reason Christianity hasn't petered out is because the, the one who started it is alive today. He's alive today. The Bible says he's in heaven even now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. 
His death would be dismissed as he'd be nothing more than a martyr. And if that, was, if that was true, then our preaching would be false. Paul talks about that here in 1 Corinthians 15. We are preaching that Jesus died on the cross as atonement for our sins, that he raised from the grave, rose from the grave three days later uh, in fulfillment of prophecy, uh, proving that he was God. And as we preach that, that would mean that everything that we were saying were lies. There's a reason why Paul said that we would be of all men most miserable if this took place. Because the preaching would be false and our prayers would be futile. We pray in the name of Jesus, asking God to, to work in our lives and heal the sick and, 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 and bring us through trials and, and strengthen us. Listen, your prayers would be empty and hopeless and, and, and un, unanswered if you were praying to a dead God who could not hear you. I'm glad he can hear us. And I'm glad not only does he hear us, but he can answer us. Our prayers would be futile. Our pardon would be a fraud. The Bible says this in the back of the book of Psalms, blessed is the man to whom the Lord doth not impute sin. Are you, are, are you happy when, you get, when you're forgiven? I hope so. Uh, to, to, to not have uh, that weight upon your shoulders anymore. Listen, uh, sin and guilt will weigh upon you and bear you down and crush you uh, when you realize that there's nothing that you can do to offset it, to put it off. But listen, when, when God forgave you, it's like he, he took the weight off of your shoulders and he, and he nailed it to the cross with Jesus. It's no longer on your shoulders. There is a happiness, there is a joy in your heart when you realize that you are saved, that you are clean, that it no longer is upon you. It was put upon Upon him, the Bible says, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. There's a joy in that. But if there was no resurrection, guess what? There's no pardon either. Because a man, many men have died. Many men have hung on, hung on crosses. Many men have suffered execution. Uh, even some innocent men, as far as the, the crimes that they were accused of. But listen, Jesus was the only sinless one. The only one that could pay the price for your sin and my sin, and not just our sin, but the sins of the entire world. Our pardon would be a fraud. Our peace would be a forgery. There is peace in knowing Christ. In, in placing our faith and trust in him, there is a peace of mind and a peace of heart that comes upon us that we don't have to do it ourselves. I praise the Lord for that. I thank God for it. Like, we don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be anxious. We don't need to be worried. It doesn't mean th things are going to happen to us in this life, because we all know they do. Life happens. Sometimes think God allows things to happen to teach us a lesson. Other times it's, it's, it's a response to, uh, because of some things that we have done, and God is chastening us. Uh, uh, sometimes it just happens. But I want you to understand this. All those things can happen. You can still have peace in Jesus. The Bible says that we can have a peace that passeth all understanding. There's a reason why Paul sat in that, sat in that, in that jail cell with his back, back bloody and bruised from the beating he had taken, uh, hand, uh, his feet and his hands in, 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 in those, in, in those uh, chains. And at midnight, they sang praises. Why? Because he was at peace. Didn't mean he didn't hurt. Didn't mean he liked the, the surroundings and the circumstances he was in. But he was at peace. There's a reason why, why from prison, he was able to, uh, he was knowing that he was going to die. He said, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Therefore, there's laid up for me a crown of rejoicing in heaven. Listen, he was at peace. He knew what was coming. We can be at peace no matter what situation you're in, no matter how difficult it is. You can be at peace. Listen, why? Because Jesus rose from the grave. And the power that rose, that, that power that was in Christ that brought him up out of the grave is in you as a child of God. 
The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. It's that spirit that strengthens you. It's that spirit that, that helps you to mature and grows you, grows, uh, grows you and strengthens you and teaches you. Our peace would be a forgery. If Christ hadn't risen from the grave, his dominion, his kingdom would be dissolved. He would no longer be the Lord over everything. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians that we have been taken from the dominion, uh, taken from the, 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 the jurisdiction, the dominion of Satan, and been placed into the, the, the dominion of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's dear Son. You know what that means? I'm no longer under the power of Satan and of sin. I'm no longer, as a child of God, I no longer have to live that life. Now, sometimes I make choices. I, I sin because of the choices that I make. But I am no longer under the power of that sin. Why? Because Jesus broke sin. O death, where, o death, where is thy sting? O sting, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. We're not under its power anymore. That means as a child of God, as a Christian, you can live in victory. You don't need to be bound by every sin in the flesh that, you, that you're living in. It, yes, it can hinder you. Yes, it can hold you back. But listen, you're not under its control anymore. You have the Spirit of God within you, and you can live for Him through the power of Jesus Christ, that same power that was exhibited in the resurrection. Paul said that, uh, that, he, would, that he had a desire to know the power of God in the resurrection. But if he hadn't risen from the dead, there would be no dominion. His deliverance would be disqualified. He wouldn't be able to deliver us from death. One of the, one of the, one of the blessings, one of the benefits of, 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 of our salvation and what happened uh, with, when Christ rose from that grave is that he had power over the grave. Now the Bible says this, it's appointed unto man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. You and I are, are most likely going to die. We do know that in 1 Corinthians 15, he goes on to say that, 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 that he was showing them a mystery, that not all of them, not all Christians would, would sleep or die, that there was going to be a time when Christ comes back and that the dead, the dead in Christ shall rise for us, then we which are alive and remain at that point in time will be caught up together with them in, in the air. We'll be given new glorified bodies. We won't, we won't have this body anymore. We'll have an eternal, eternal, glorified body. But listen, we had that hope. When we look forward to that day, how many of you like? How many have aches and pains when you get up in the morning? The older I get, the more aches and pains I find. All you young people, you don't know what's coming for you. It's coming. Now that I'm forty, <clears throat> uh, it's hard, harder for me to lose weight, and I've got to exercise more. And 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 even now, it's, uh, why can't this happen better? Man, when I was I, I, when I was younger, I could do so much better. I was strong and fit. And, why? Because I'm older. My metabolism doesn't work so fast, and I'm, I'm weaker, and my hair is thinning a little bit up here. We're just going to ignore that. This body is going away, and we get sick, don't we? How many of us have gotten sick? There's, there's, there's COVID, there's cancer, there's, there's uh, uh, hepatitis and, uh, and TB, you know, all thousands of other viruses and illnesses, and, and, and sometimes... Uh, Sometimes things are within us that can kill us. One day, this body will be transported and trans translated or, or changed into another body. And I look forward to that day. But if Christ hadn't risen from the dead, 
wouldn't have any hope in that, would we? Brother Frank, your hair would only get whiter. Right? There'd only be more aches and pains to look forward to. More pain, more suffering. Be, growing older is, is a blessing. Uh, don't, don't misunderstand me. Uh, I, I want to be around and see my kids and to walk hand down the aisle and to hold my grandkids. And, and some of you have gotten to hold your great-grandkids. And what, what a blessing that is. But there's also a physical cost to that, isn't there? There'd be no hope of anything else if Christ hadn't risen. His deliverance from death would be disqualified. The deliverance of, from Satan would be disqualified as well. We have victory. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But he can't be in you if he didn't raise from the dead. You couldn't be saved. That sin which, which that, you, that you once were a slave to, the Bible says that, that, he, that sin is a slave to sin, and we've all sinned. You'd be bound by it. You'd be controlled by it. You'd be under its... Uh, there are people that live in that and they never escape it. Isn't it sad? That people that never escape that, that bondage of sin. It will destroy their lives. It will it, it'll destroy their minds and their hearts and their relationships. It will, it will take their lives. I've seen people, uh, I've seen people in the lowest form form of, of, of addiction and, and of alcoholism and drugs and, and how far that's taken them. I've seen people that, that look good on the outside, but they're struggling with, with depression and, and, and other things because of the sin. They're looking for everywhere else for an answer and looking for deliverance from fame or fortune or, or whatever it is, uh, something to, to satisfy and to make them happy. The only thing that can truly satisfy is deliver, deliverance from our sin and a fellowship with God. That's all we need. The world doesn't have, doesn't have anything to offer. But if he didn't raise from the dead, we'd only be fooling ourselves. There'd be no hope. We wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to be delivered from depravity, man's depravity. And listen, mankind is just a mess. And it's only getting worse. The Bible says it uh, back in the book of Genesis that the reason, uh, the reason for the flood was that it was, there was evil in the heart of man continually. I believe we're, all, we're just about back there. There'd be no deliverance from that. It would only get worse and worse and worse. Sin is being glorified. The sinner is being justified. If Christ hadn't risen his declarations, those things that he has said, they would be distrusted. And the truth is, today they are, by the world. You believe the, you believe the Bible? You're a fool. I think we're foolish. Uh, uh, as, as Christians, the Bible is to have all authority in our life. Tell us how we live and, and, and how we're to treat one another. And listen, it has authority, not because of somebody who's standing up here in a pulpit, but because the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, for doctrine, for, for, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's good for us, but it's authorized not by mankind, but by God. But if he didn't raise from the dead, it would all be a lie. We couldn't trust the promises. We couldn't trust the sources. How accurate it was. We couldn't apply it to our lives. It would all be questionable. Aren't you glad it's not? 
Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, there could be no acceptance of the Savior, no access to the Savior, and no acquaintance with the Savior. Why? Because he was just a man and he is dead. Next, I want us to look at the, predict, the prediction of his resurrection. In Genesis 3.15, God said that the seed of the woman would bruise his head. It said Satan would bruise his heel, that the serpent would bruise his heel, but he, the seed, Jesus, would bruise his head. We know what happened on that cross. He died, but it wasn't a mortal wound for him because he got back up. Because he raised from the dead, because there was life. David predicted it in Psalms chapter 16, for, uh, where he says, that I will not leave my soul in hell. Christ himself predicted it in, in the book of John. He says that you'll destroy this temple, and in three days I'll rise up. He also said, as, 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 uh, as Jonah was three days in the, the, the belly of the whale, so will I be three days. It, it was predicted that, that this was going to take place, that, 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 this, that this resurrection was going to take place, that he would, yes, die, but he would show himself powerful in rising again. And how important is that? How important is it that we understand that this, that this isn't just a fallacy, it's not just a, 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 a story, but, but it was told hundreds, thousands of years beforehand, and even Christ himself said, this is what's going to happen. And it always amazed me, we saw it this morning, the disciples forgot about it. They knew about the prophecies. They knew that he had said that he would rise again. He had told them he would rise again, that he would die, and three days later, and they somehow, right over their head, they missed it. And they wept and they mourned. And I understand why they wept and they mourned. They were grieving because they forgot that it wasn't their eyes hadn't been opened. They, they needed to see him for themselves before they truly believed. And we have benefit of hindsight. We can look back. And now we can't see the wounds in his hands or his side. We, we can't see Christ in his glorified body. But God reveals himself, Christ reveals himself to us through the word of God and through the spirit of God. And listen, there are a whole lot of people out there that know the story of the resurrection. They know the story of what happened on that cross. They, they, they have a head knowledge, uh, but they don't believe. Why? Because their eyes have been closed. The Bible says if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And Satan is trying to keep their eyes shut. So the precaution, so we need to be very careful and understand that it was predicted long before it happened. But it happened. But we'll also see the precautions of the resurrection back in Matthew 27. Uh, uh, we, we were there this morning. You could turn there again. Uh, we were in Matthew 28. But 27, verses 62 to 66, we see what happens. Is now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the, the, the deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. How did the Pharisees remember this and not Jesus, or not the disciples? I don't get it. But anyways, he says, Command ye therefore, verse 64, that the sepulcher be made sure until the daylight, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way. Make it sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing stone and setting a watch. 
They, they, they made the sepulcher sure. Uh, they, they wanted to make sure it was secured and sealed and safeguarded. They, uh, they, 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 they made sure that there was a stone before the grave so that nobody could get in. They put a, a seal around it that couldn't be broken that would prove that nobody had gotten in there. They put guards outside so that nobody could break in and steal the body. They were prepared. Why? Well, the reason for it, we find in verse 64, that the last error would not be worse than the first. Because they, they knew how many followed him when he did, performed the miracles. They knew how many people believed him because of his teachings and because of what they, they heard and saw. Uh, but they were afraid that if, they, that, he, that, if, that if he rose from the grave, how many more would follow him? But isn't that exactly what happened? Listen, we are 2,000 plus years later. And there are still people today meeting in the name of Jesus Christ. It wasn't 12 people. It wasn't 120 people. It wasn't the city of Jerusalem that was in an uproar over him. Listen, it's the entire world. Why? Because the gospel is for all of us. They were fearful, they, they were fearful but they, ultimately they failed. And what, what are the results of it? Defeat. Because Jesus rose anyways. Everything the world had to put against it, everything the world tried to do to stop it, they, they couldn't stop it. Why? Because it was ordained of God to happen. They could have put, they could have put fences and, and cages. Listen, I, I said it this morning. They didn't roll the stone away so Jesus could walk out. They rolled the stone away. The angel rolled the stone away so that we could see in. So that we would see that Jesus was no longer there. Notice the precision of, the, of, of his resurrection, Matthew 21. It was perfect timing. In the end of the Sabbath, as it as began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. The timing was, it was the first day of the week. If you read through all the other accounts uh, in, in the other four, three Gospels, it all says the same thing. The first day of the week, he rose on that day. And it's telling, verse 2, the angel moved the stone. Uh, it says, and behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Verse, verse 6, I love the, 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 the guards, they all, they all uh, tremble and faint as dead men. Uh, the women they've, that have come to see him, uh, the angel says to them, fear not. For I know that you're here to seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. And then they said, come see where the Lord lay. I love that. The, word, the, 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 last, the last word there, come see the place where the Lord lay. For all of you English majors or grammatical people that like grammar, the word lay is past tense, not present tense. Present tense means he would still be here, Come see where the Lord lie. But the word lay is past tense. What's the indication there? He's not here anymore. He's gone. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Not only, not only was it perfect in the timing and the telling, but they were to teach it as well. In verse 7, they're, they're told to go into Galilee that they would see him. Verse, uh, they were to go and tell the disciples, verse 16 and 17, uh, they, they see Christ. Uh, I want you to understand, they were to go and to tell. And, and this gospel, this, this message of the resurrection, is a beautiful message. And many times we forget this part of the gospel. 
We need to be make, make sure we're very clear, not, that Jesus, not just that Jesus died for, according uh, to the Scriptures for our sin, according to 1 Corinthians 15, but also that he rose from the grave according to the Scriptures. It's important. It's important. In fact, in fact the book of Romans tells us that we must believe that, that, uh, that, and, and place our faith in the fact that he died and that he rose from the grave. The problem of his resurrection for the Jews, well, it was successful, despite the placing of the guards. Everything they did, again, uh, to stop it, they couldn't. Uh, Verse 66 and 27, it says it was watched. The the guards were prepared and ready, but they became his dead men. Uh, They they pronounced, uh, the pronouncement of the guards, all all the things there in verse 11, uh, notice what it says. It says that now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. They showed them everything that they did, but something still happened. And then we see the lie that they told. Verse 15, uh, they, they came up with a, with, with, a, uh, with a fallacy. Go and tell people that the disciples stole the body. Now listen, if that had happened, if that had really happened, there wouldn't be any of those soldiers to tell the story that that had happened. You know why? Because the Romans would have killed them. It would have been a death sentence for them. But it was necessary for them to lie. see here the proof of the resurrection. Christ appeared first to the women. Mentions the, the, the 11 disciples in verses 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the, how, he, how he appeared to Peter. Uh, the Bible tells us how he appeared to the two men on the road to Emmaus. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians it says that, uh, in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says that he appeared to 500 people at one time. See, well, that doesn't prove anything. That's just, they could have written that down. You're right. They could. There are a lot of fables that are out there. Something interesting, though, about those, these men that wrote this down, these, those 11 apostles, they all died for their faith. So well, they just believed something that wasn't really true. They all had the same vision. Think about this. They all claimed to see the risen Savior. Not just once. Multiple times. If you remember, the 11 were, were, all, were actually 10 of them were in a room together, uh, and, and Thomas wasn't there, and Christ appeared in the midst of them. And they told Thomas, he said, listen, I'm not going to believe it until I see it for myself. And guess what? The next day, Thomas was there, and Jesus showed up again. And on and on and on it goes. Listen, they went to their death. They were tortured, and they never once denied the fact that it happened. John the Baptist was boiled in oil. If I was going to boil you in oil, and I said, all you got to do is tell the truth, and you had a lie. I saw something, I saw something the other day. It was written by a man. It was a, a, a quote from Chuck Colson. If you, know, if you don't know who he is, he worked with, with, with Nixon during Watergate. And he says, it's amazing how, how if during, during that time, the, 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 the men that, were, that had something to do with that, that were being questioned, they couldn't hold their story together, this lie together, for two weeks. For two weeks. Within, within two weeks, it was all done. They had everything uncovered. Everybody had told what had really happened. And the truth had come out. But somehow those 12 men lasted their entire lives and went to death. Why? Because it was the truth. It was true. What was the purpose of his resurrection? The 
unfulfilled prophecy, first of all. In Acts chapter 13, 32, it talks about the promise that had been made to the fathers. Listen, it was fulfilled. If Christ, if, if, if Christ hadn't fulfilled the prophecy, then he wouldn't have been the Messiah. Prophecy must be fulfilled to prove his sonship. Romans chapter 1, 4 says that he's declared to be the Son of God with power. Why? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If he hadn't risen, there'd be no proof of, of who he was. To pledge our resurrection. We've been given the promise of, of a new body, of an inheritance. That we, in fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says that, that Jesus became the first, the first fruits of them that slept. We have hope. Listen, we've had folks in our, our church in the last year that have passed away. And we look forward to seeing them again, do we not? How do we know, how do we know we're going to? Because Jesus rose first. He's the first fruits. I mean, he came first, and now we can follow we can, have, we can be assured of that. To produce hope. 1 Peter 1, 3 describes it as a lively hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, there would be no hope. I don't want to live in this world without hope. The number of, of people that are depressed and, and commit suicide, that, that number is increasing in, in terrible numbers. Why? Why would people go that far? It's because they don't have any hope. Because they, they think life would just be better off if they were dead and there was no, there was nothing, they weren't around anymore. They wouldn't have to face the problems anymore. After death, there is something worse. But we as children of God, we have hope. We also see in the resurrection his power. Verse 18 in Matthew chapter 20, 28, he says, All power is given unto me. Jesus had the power of God upon his life. Why? Because on him dwelt, uh, dwelt the Holy Spirit. Now, don't, don't misunderstand. He was God. But we also know that he did the, the miracle. He was also 100% man. And he did the miracles that he did because of the power of the Holy Spirit on him. In fact, the Bible says, I believe it's in, in the book of Luke, that, that, he, that, the, that the, the Spirit was upon him to heal. That would mean that that was time for him to do that. All power was given unto Jesus. Why? Because of the resurrection. Power over nature and creating and controlling all, all that was dead. He made the, 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 the waves to cease, the wind to cease, uh, uh, to, he calmed the storm. Uh, he, uh, he had power over sickness and the healing, healing those that were sick. He had power over Satan and, and casting demons out. Uh, he had power over physical needs and feeding and leading uh, people uh, as, they, as they came to him and uh, as he fed the 5,000. I and mean, he had power over all of those things. He even had power over death when he raised Jairus' daughter and Lazarus from the death. Uh, listen, all of those things are important. Why? Because he still has power today. We have hope that he can take care of our needs because he has power over this world, does he not? There's a reason why we pray for those, uh, those that are close to us that are sick. Because he is the one that can heal. I don't see at the, at the door of the doctor saying, will you please heal my child? Best place to, now I'm not saying don't go to doctors. God's given us doctors to, to, and, and medicine and those things. But who's the first one we're to go to? God. 
We're going to end here in 1 Corinthians 15. If you could, just go back there for just one second. Oh, sorry, 1 Peter. We started there. I want to end there. 1 Peter chapter 1. Notice it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. That word begotten means born. Jesus said in John chapter 3, Ye must be born again. That word must means that it's a requirement. If we're going to live eternally, if we're going to have a relationship with God, there needs to be new birth. You must be born again. It doesn't say you must go to church. It doesn't say that. Now the Bible does say in other places that as children of God, as Christians, we are to come together and and to fellowship and to worship together, uh, but we are the church. But it doesn't say that to, to become a Christian. It says, you must be born again. We've been begotten again, according to his abundant mercy. That word mercy means we didn't deserve it. That we don't get what we deserve. You and I deserve death because of our sin. But we don't receive death. Why? Because of God's abundant mercy and Christ's atoning death on that cross. And we've been begotten again with that same power. It says here, uh, we've been begotten again unto a lively hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If there was no resurrection, you would not have new life. Think about that for a moment as we're here to worship and we're here to praise God and we're here to, 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 to rejoice over the fact. Listen, it's... Easter is a beautiful, is a beautiful, my favorite, honestly, it is my favorite holiday. But this world has turned it into Easter bunnies and chocolate candy and, and baskets and, and all this other stuff. The people have gotten up, our kids have gotten up excited because it's Easter morning and there's clothes and toys and parents have been excited to see their kids in their, 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 new, their, their new nice clothes and, and to watch their kids uh, run around like crazy maniacs because they got too much sugar in their system. Okay, they're probably not excited about that, but they watch it. And they do it every year. But Easter, it, it, I don't even like calling it Easter, uh, Resurrection Sunday, this day is set aside to, so that we can celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's because of that resurrection that we have life. And we wouldn't have it without it. But notice what it says in verse 4. To an inheritance. Do you know as a child of God, you've received an inheritance? Now, I'm not talking about money in your bank account. I'm talking about the, the inheritance, what we receive now and later. It's, all, it's almost like a trust. There are some things that you receive now. When you got saved, you received forgiveness. Praise God. Hallelujah. You are not the bearer of your sin anymore. But not only did you receive forgiveness, but you also received the seal of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you're sealed until the day of redemption. He is in you. It is that, that spirit, the Bible, that Jesus himself described as a fountain flowing, the bubbling up of, 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 of water that, that never runs out. He told the woman at the well, if, if, I, if you drink of the water that I shall give you, you'll never thirst again. There is joy. There is peace. There is strength. There is hope and all of that but we have it because 
of Christ and his resurrection. It's part of that inheritance. There's a work of sanctification that you now have. You are not who you used to be. I look back at my life and the life that I used to live and, and the works that, and the desires of my heart, and man, I'm so glad that's not who I am anymore. And I'm not saying that I instantly turned into what I am today, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. Believe me, I'm not. Ask my, my family, my, my wife and my kids. They can tell you. Please don't ask them. Uh, uh, just take my word for it. I am not perfect. <laughs> but Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, I'm confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That good work is working in each and every single one of us. What an inheritance to have. What an inheritance. That, that we know that he's changing us through the word of God and through the spirit of God. That's an inheritance that I want. That's better than any bank account, any amount of money that can be dropped off that will be spent or lost, or as the dollar goes down, so does their money. As inflation goes up, there goes the, the money in your gas tank. Listen, this is something that cannot be taken away. In fact, look at the inheritance here in a second. It says, incorruptible and undefiled. Incorruptible means it cannot be corrupted. It cannot be corrupted. It can't be, it can't be, uh, uh, can't be made to be worth less. I've got a car. It's a nice car, but it's rusting. Why? Because it's a car, and we live in Maine, and that's what happens. Now, it's not rusted bad, but if I, the longer it, I have it, guess what? The more rusted it's going to be. How many of you guys have had to get rid of a car and get a new car because it wouldn't pass inspection? Why? Because they're corruptible. I have a motorcycle. I love it. It's great. I like to take it out for rides. It's corruptible, and it corrupts me. I'm just kidding. It doesn't corrupt me. <laughs> Those things are earthly. They, they, they'll fall apart, and, and they're not worth anything. Why? They're fun. They're okay. And listen, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. The inheritance that God has given us is incorruptible. It only gets better with time. It fadeth not away. But one thing I want, one more thing I want you to notice about this inheritance. Notice the last phrase there in verse 4. It's reserved in heaven for you. You have received a part of your inheritance. But there's a whole lot more in store. A whole, in fact, the best part is yet to come. The best part is yet to come. We're not, I'm not just talking about floating around in a cloud and playing a harp. Listen, we're not going to learn how to play the harp when we get to heaven. That's not what God has in store for us. It's, I'm not talking about sitting around and fishing. I've heard all kinds of descriptions of heaven. I, don't, I haven't found any of those in the Bible. But what I have found in the Bible makes me look forward to the fact that I'm going to be in the very presence of God with thousands. Have you ever been... Uh, there's a conference I go to every year, uh, uh, the last couple of years anyways, and, and it, it's a big church, that, that, uh, it's, they fill it with pastors, and you get among, around a bunch of men and women of God that love God and love to sing, uh, it is glorious to stand there and sing, uh, uh, even if you can't sing, just to hear the, 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 the amazing uh, sound of those voices lifted up, glorifying God, and it, it will stir your soul, uh, it, it, will, it will encourage you, it will strengthen you. Listen, that is nothing com compared to standing with the, the voices of all languages as we all stand before God and worship Him because He is holy and just and righteous. Worthy is the Lamb, we're going to sing. What a day that will be! That's an inheritance to look forward to. You know what's even better? Yes, God is sanctifying me now, but one day that work's going to be finished. 
I, I, I heard this, I read this uh, tombstone. There was a tombstone of a missionary. I don't remember his name now. This is, here lies, and it's the name of the missionary. It says, this is the part of him that, that kept him from doing all that God would have him to do. See, this flesh of mine, it holds me back. Paul said, the things that I would do, I do not. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. This flesh holds me back, but one day it's going to be gone. Can you imagine never being tempted to sin again? Never losing your temper, never getting angry, never getting upset, always being content, always being happy and joyful, there being nothing to stifle that spiritual excitement that you could have? Apparently not. Come on, think about what, what God has for us. That's the inheritance. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It cannot be, cannot be tarnished. And it's reserved in heaven for you. There is a, a mansion in heaven with your name on it if you're saved. Say, well, I don't know about a mansion. I, I'm not saying you're going to have a 50-room mansion. You don't, you're not going to need all that. And No matter what you have, you're going to be content when you get to heaven because you don't have the flesh anymore. But Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. There are many mansions. And, and, and he's going to come again. He's going to take us there. What a day that will be. That's part of that inheritance. It cannot be taken away. We will be with God forever and ever, rejoicing and serving and fellowshipping. What a day that will be. But notice this, we are begotten again unto a lively hope because of the resurrection. We've been given an inheritance because of that resurrection. And this is, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. The same God, the same power that raised Christ up is the same power that keeps us. You don't lose your salvation. And I want to hit this, and we'll be done. Through faith and the salvation. We have, the children of God, we have this, this inheritance, this lively hope, because of the resurrection, through the power of the resurrection. But it's because of our faith. It's because of our faith. The Bible says of Abraham that he believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot earn it. You are not worthy of it. It's by God's mercy and by God's grace because of the faith you have. What is faith? It's more than just belief, more than just a mental acknowledgement that something is true. The Bible says that, that the, the, demons, the demons believe and tremble, but that doesn't mean they're going to heaven. The Bible says that there will come a day when, when we stand before God and there will be many that say, Lord, Lord, we did all these mighty works in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. There are a lot of people that, sit, that are sitting in churches today that are expecting that they're going to spend eternity in heaven with God, but God's never saved them. They've never truly had faith. Now, James says, faith without works is dead. We are not saved by our works, but our faith will result in works in our lives. That faith in God is going to result in a change of our mind of a couple of things. One, that we believe that Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God, that he died according to the Scriptures for our sin, that he rose from the grave according to the Scriptures, and that we have faith and believe that that is true. And if that is true, it will change the way you live your life. Our belief affects our behavior. The second part is this. The Bible tells us 
I heard this the other day. I heard some preachers say, that the Bible never tells us to repent. There's no need for repentance. You, don't need to be, you just need to believe. There are a lot of people believe, but they don't repent. True belief, true faith will bring about repentance because when we believe the word of God is true and that our sin is, is an offense unto God, we, there will be a godly sorrow, a conviction in our heart. And the Bible says, godly sorrow worketh repentance. It will bring us to the point where we say, God, I'm sorry. God, I was wrong. I've been living my life my own way and I see now that I, I have sinned and I have offended you. God, forgive me. Please forgive me through the blood of Jesus Christ. I understand that sacrifice and I repent. I turn my back on my sin and I turn unto you. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to do everything right. It doesn't mean you're instantly uh, the man that everybody wants to be. What that means is you don't want to be that anymore, and you want to be more like God. And he, he, he in you begins that new life, that new creation, that new birth that Jesus talked about. And if you don't have that, you don't have salvation. Don't go to church once a week and, and never act differently the rest of your life. Because guess what? You don't have it. And I don't want to be mean, and I don't want to make you feel bad. I want you to know the truth. Because without repentance, there is no salvation. Yes, you need to believe, but that belief needs to be more than just a, a mental assent, a mental acknowledgement. You, there, there is a difference. Uh, uh, Pastor Williams used to say there's, a, there's an eight-inch difference between, uh, between a head knowledge and a heart knowledge. And when we say heart knowledge, that's what we mean. Is there's a true understanding and a true, a true belief and, and that affects the way you live your life. So how do I get that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Spirit of God has to open your eyes to help you to see that you are not saved. I heard the gospel uh, a, a thousand times as a, young, as, a, as a child. I grew up in church. I, I, I did everything I was supposed to do. I went to the church, the Sunday school, and regular church, and, and evening church on Sundays. I went to, I went to Bible, uh, VBS, Vacation Bible School. I went to a Christian school. Man, I was in church all the time. But it wasn't until God opened up my eyes, and for the first time in my life at the age of 15, I saw that I was a sinner. Not just that Jesus died for the sins of the world, but he died for my sins, and that I was going to spend eternity in hell if I didn't repent of my sin and accept by faith what Jesus Christ did for me. And it was at that moment that I got saved. Not the million of other times I heard the gospel. It's not, uh, listen, you could have asked me, in fact, I knew the, all the scriptures. That the, the, I, I was at a Christian camp, and I went knelt down, and the counselor came up to me and said, can I pray for you? He said, I need to get saved. And he says, I thought you were already saved. And I said, I'm not. He said, well, let's go through a few verses. And I quoted all the verses to him. There's a young person here that, that, that a while back at, at camp had made a profession of faith and came to me. At the end of the first service, before camp even started, he says, I need to be saved. I said, I thought you got saved a couple years ago. And he says, if I got saved, I wouldn't be doing this and this and this. And begin to quote from 1 John chapter 1 about how he knew for sure that he wasn't saved and he needed to get saved. Listen, it's the Spirit of God that opened his eyes to that truth. I hadn't even preached on that that day. I want you to understand, if God is telling you today that you are not saved, you need to do something about it today. What a better day to do it. The day that we're here to worship and celebrate that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave. What a better day to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and to repent of your sin and turn to God. Because I can tell you, when you do that, the Bible says there will be rejoicing in heaven. Now, we make a big day out of the one Easter Sunday, the one resurrection day of the year. But in heaven, it's always a big day. Every day is a day to, to worship and to celebrate a, a risen Savior. 
But you can't really do that if you're not saved. You can't really do that. Listen, there are a lot of people that they've come to church today. They put on their Sunday best. They, they're there because they're supposed to be there. They're there because everybody expects them to be there. They're there because it's tradition and it's Easter. And what, what else do you do on Easter? I want you to know the only reason you should be here is to worship God. I'm glad you're all here. And if you're not saved, I pray that today would be the day that you would trust him. But don't just come and then go home and don't let anything affect you. Let the word of God reach into your heart and to change you and to enlighten you and to open up your eyes to the truth that you need a risen Savior. And you can have hope. You can, you can know that the word of God is true and that, that God will save you. Why? Because Jesus rose from the grave. And that's how he can save you. God help us. Father God, I, I pray that your hand be upon us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the spirit. Lord, I thank you for our risen Savior. I pray today now that you would have your way with us. Lord, help us to glorify you with all that we do and say this, after, this evening or this afternoon. I pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon each one of us. Lord, I pray your word would not go void. Lord, if those that are here that just need to be reminded of the glory and the power of the resurrection and the inheritance that we have, Lord, I pray that you would help them to see that. Lord, if there's one here today or more that are lost in their sin and maybe confused or maybe they've been telling themselves that they're saved but there's been no change, there's been no life in their life, uh, the, a mental sense but no, but no true salvation, God, I pray that today would be the day that they would by faith trust in you. Lord, that you would open their eyes and help them to see. God, I ask for you to work in a way that I can't work in a way that no man can work, but in a way that only the Spirit of God can work, or that we can give you all the glory. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Keep your head